thank you. What a lovely, what a lovely introduction. I'm just, um, I'm just going to start my, set my timer so that I don't run over. Uh, so this morning, uh, I just really felt like the Lord wanted to talk about, you know, it's the start of the year and we're talking about, you know, new year, new you. Um, but starting the year right and making sure first things are first. So uh, today we're going to talk about the story of Martha and Mary. You might have uh, heard the story before, but it's Luke 10, 38 to 42. If we can just have that up, Justine, please. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So it could be easy to stereotype these women, go, well, Mary's good, Martha's bad, uh, and just think it's clear cut. But I really think the message from this story isn't about what's good and what's bad. It's about the seasons and what's first and what's last. Um, and so we look at Martha and she's just invited Jesus into her home. So she's the, she's the housekeeper. She owns the house and she's got her younger sister, Mary, and younger brother, Lazarus. Now, you might have also heard the story of Lazarus. Jesus has raised him from the dead. So now Martha is inviting the man who's raised her brother up from the dead. Jesus does not come alone. He comes at least with his 12 disciples, if not their entourage. So now she has many people in her home. And at this time, it's about a week, roughly, we think, uh, before Jesus' death. So it's not the most political, uh, politically easy time to invite Jesus into your home and host him. So I'm thinking she's feeling a lot of pressure. She's like, I've got to get this done. So um, Jesus comes in and begins sharing uh, and teaching, and Mary takes up a position at Jesus' feet. Very noticeable, noticeable, very important position at his feet, concentrating. Now it says, Martha was distracted by much serving. And I don't know about you, but if I was in Martha's position... I am racing around the kitchen. My mind is going a million miles, miles an hour. My heart beats up. I'm like, and I look across and there is my little sister sitting at Jesus' feet doing a whole lot of nothing. <laughs> and But then think about Mary's mind at this point. She has got this beautiful position at Jesus' feet. She's listening to his teachings. I don't know about you, but even when I just imagine what her mind is doing, my physical body just calms down. It just comes to a place of peace. And I don't, if we go back to Martha for a minute, you look over, you see your sister, and suddenly, not only are you frustrated by all the things you need to do, but you're frustrated that she's not helping. And that resentment starts to rise. Well, Mary's feeling pretty, oh, sorry, Martha's feeling pretty confident in her righteous resentment and goes to Jesus and says, why isn't my sister helping? Tell her to help me. And one, you have to think you're, right to go to Jesus with that sort of direction and two you have to have a close relationship they were they were friends and Jesus answers Martha Martha which is actually this really kind response it's not an admonishment it's Martha Martha 
And I just want you to think about today, is, is Jesus saying your name? Is he saying, Amanda, Amanda? Is he asking you to pause? Because he goes, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. You notice here that Jesus isn't talking about her work. He's not concerned about her serving. He's concerned about her heart, that she is anxious and worried. She is stressed. She is distracted. She's not there paying attention to him. Um, and he provides Mary as an example of what is good and proper at that time. What Martha was doing was, is good and proper in a season, but this was not that season. Jesus is about to die. He's got some important lessons to teach people, and he's got limited time, and he wants Martha to stop, take a breath, and put him first. So... If we look at Matthew 6:33 it says know that if we choose first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness then all these things will be added unto us as well just as he said God is interested in our heart it's not about what we're doing it's about the heart with which we're doing it um, perhaps if Martha had sat at Jesus' feet first instead of busily preparing the meal we would have seen another miracle Jesus might have, you know, he fed people with two, two, lo- two fishes and two loaves and five fishes. He fed thousands, you know, on this day. This would have been nothing. Would we have seen another miracle if Martha hadn't been distracted by something else? Um, or would she have been able to spend time with Jesus and then go about her work in a place of peace and a place of refreshment and from a place of fulfillment? I guess sometimes we're so busy doing things, trying to um, make everything perfect, like, oh, I need to go around and do all the, get all these things crossed off my list and then I can spend time with God undistracted. Where actually it should be the other way around. If I spend time with God first, then I can go about doing the right things, the things that he has told me to do so that I don't do unnecessary things. I'm not wasting my time that Jesus has told me to do this and you can do it with a spirit of thankfulness and refreshment and you don't get that uh, feeling of resentment and burnout that some people might get. I know, like my first thing, I'm all about the list. I'm all about checking off what's on the list. And so just remembering um, that there are seasons for different things and what Jesus is saying here is, The season now is Mary, the heart of Mary, to focus on me and put me first and build, um, choose to build your life upon the rock. Um, And basically Jesus finishes with, Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Mary has come with an open heart. Uh, We see in John 12, 3, she pours expensive perfume on his feet and wipes it with her hair in the ultimate sign of worship. She puts him in a position of honour and puts herself in a position of the least honour. And the good portion here was putting Jesus first. She wasn't distracted. She was fully present. She listened to his teaching. She gave her finest good to him. Uh, She did it just in the most honourable way. And so I just, as we start the year... Um, 
it's a time to ask yourself, who are you putting first? Are you putting God first or are you putting yourself first? Um, Are you setting your foundation up on the rock, on Jesus, and working in the season that he's told you to work in and operating um, in the fullness of his abundance and the promises he has for you? Um, So... This is a short and sweet message today, so um, I want to thank you very much for your time, and uh, as you go into the new year, just remember there's seasons for everything, and is it a season to be Mary, or is it a season to be Martha? Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Incredible. A lot to unpack there, and we're going to have even more with wonderful Tracy Wonka to share. Tracy's been a, a... a pillar of the church for a number of years now, just serving in a whole lot of capacities uh, across all ministries. So please make her feel very welcome when she comes up. All right, thank you. Well, it's the new year. And I just want to remind you that God has plans for everybody every one of his children, and he has a destiny for all of you. Now, this plan for you, it may have been something that's just new for this year, or it could be something that's been happening for a few years. But with, with plans that God gives, you know, sometimes it's a word, it's a vision that he's given us, and he puts it into our heart. But it doesn't always come to pass straight away, you know. Sometimes it feels like a battle, and sometimes it feels like it's not even going to happen at all. And I think I just have a verse that I think that will help you this year in continuing in that journey for what God has planned for you. And that verse is Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. Okay, it says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Now the story behind this verse is that the Israelites had been in slavery for about 400 years in Egypt. But God had promised to bring them out of that land into a, a, what he calls a land of flowing with milk and honey. In other words, This was the top real estate in the country. He goes, I'm taking you out of slavery. I'm going to put you in the best place you can be in the country. I'm going to give this to you. And that was their destiny. The first time they were meant to go in, they refused because they were too afraid. And this here is their second chance. And um, they were about to take possession of the land. And this is when God says to them, you know, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. And he said it because... He knows the battle that can sometimes be ahead of us. So he wants to encourage us in that journey. Because sometimes our journey can look a lot like the Israelites' journey. Think about it. Their situation looked like this. They had a promise from God to inherit the land. But there was a problem. These cities that they were meant to inherit were large. It wasn't just a small thing. It was a large city. Okay, like, God, can't you give me something small to, to, to start with? You know, don't, don't go large. They were well fortified. They were, they were well defended. You know, they, they had thick walls. They, they had warriors. 
and the people living in there were strong, they were giants, and, and on top of that, the Israelites were like grasshoppers compared to them. So in other words, in the natural circumstances, there was no possible way for them to win. There was no possible way. All the odds were against them. And that could be a lot like what you're thinking in your situation. God could have given you a promise, but every circumstance that you look at points in the opposite direction. You look down one wind, it looks hopeless. You look in another way, it looks impossible. You go to another direction and it's a dead end. But just like with the Israelites, when God is with you and you put your hope in God, there is no way that your promise cannot come to pass. It cannot. The, the impossible becomes possible. You know, when the Israelites trusted God, Satan couldn't stop them. He would have if he, if he wanted, if he, if he tried to, he wouldn't be able to. And I'm pretty sure he did try to because he doesn't want the promises of God coming, coming to being. But that's, that's an interesting question. If Satan can't stop God's plan coming to pass in your life, why does he seem to try so hard to stop it? Why does everything seem to go wrong? I think the reason is, is it's not because he wants to stop the plan, because he knows he can't, but he wants you to believe that he, he can stop the plan. Because if he can get you to believe it, maybe he can get you to turn around in your journey, be like the first Israelites, and head back to Egypt. So if he can do that, you can, you'd be thinking, oh, I might go to a place that's a bit more comfortable. I'll go back to the place that's a bit more familiar. I want to go back to the place that's not so painful as this battle that I'm in at the moment. And if you go back, yes, the pain you're going through may stop temporarily, but it will never, ever get you into the promise that God has for you. God knows how difficult the journey can get, and that's exactly why he said for us to be courageous. I looked up the word courageous in the dictionary, and it said, not deterred by danger or pain. So when you see the, the dangers, you see the scary things, you feel the pain, you know, we just have to have that courage to get up and keep on going. And I think while it takes courage to persevere, it takes strength to overcome. I think you've all heard that we need to depend on God's strength to get us through. I, do you believe that yet? We've heard that many times. But I think in reality what happens when things do get tough, we kind of put a little bit of a mix in. We, we pray to God, we, we say, okay, yes, I'm trusting in you, God, to get me through this situation. But at the same time, we put all our own efforts into trying to fix the situation too. So it's this big jumble of, I'm trusting you, God, and I'm running around like anything <laughs> trying to fix the situation to do, to, you know, to work out in hope that it's going to work out if I put my effort and God's effort in and it's all going to happen. But I think that's where we get unstuck because it is God's strength that gets us through. But our strength is not meant to be used to resolve problems. Our strength is meant to be used to love God. 
Mark 12:30 says, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength." So if we're loving God with all our strength, what are we doing using all our strength trying to solve all our problems? So in the midst of our fiercest battle, the best thing you can actually do is try to love God. Why is that? The book of 1 John says that loving God means to keep his commands and keeping his commands is to believe in the name of Jesus. So when we are loving God, we are believing in the name of Jesus. We are believing in what Jesus has done on the cross. When we're loving God, we're believing the promises that he has promised us. You know, loving God means that we believe what God says is true, despite all the bad things that are happening around us. So when God is asking us to be strong, it's not being strong in running around trying to solve all our problems, not strong running around trying to put out all the fires. He's asking us to be strong in drawing close to him. He's asking us to be strong in loving his word. And the only way we can do that is, as Amanda's saying, spend quality time with him. <laughs> Absolutely. And I personally find that when things go crazy for me, I just press further into God. Not just get, to, get him to solve my problem, but to get intimate with him. And I find that through this intimacy, I get joy from his presence. He gives me wisdom to unlock the doors that are holding me in. He gives me peace that surpasses all understanding. And he changes circumstances that I never thought that was possible. So God has a plan and destiny for you. So be strong in the Lord. Be courageous. Don't let the dangers or pain deter you. Don't be afraid of negative circumstances. God is with you. His power and blessing is with you. And he has gone before you and he has seen the victory. How good was that? Thanks, Tracy. All right, and the, the final incredible woman I'd like to invite up today is a, has been a strong Christian for decades. Uh, she's just come back from a wonderful mission trip overseas. Please invite Katerine to, to share with us. Hello, church. What a privilege to be able to share with you this morning. And I've been so impacted already by the two messages. I don't know about you, but it's just amazing. And, uh, and well, like as well, it's a similarity with what I'm going to share as well. Just see a very nice flow. And uh, so I'm going to share about Act 27. And I've been very encouraged by this uh, passage. And uh, I hope you will be encouraged as well. It's a story of Paul, who is uh, sailing to Rome. So at this stage, he's a prisoner. And he's under the authority of a centurion. So he goes on a, on a boat. And uh, basically, and I don't know if we can put the, the scripture. So and he, before that, he actually warned them and said, if we go and leave the harbor now, there will be a big storm and maybe shipwreck. You know, they will have consequences. But 
they really didn't listen to the prisoner. You know, they listened to the captain of the boat, to the owner of the boat, why they would listen to, to Paul. So this is what happened. So on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all those who are sailing with you. So keep up your courage. Men, I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. So Paul wasn't God, you know, he was uh, even have really not been with, directly with Jesus. And he has been even persecuting Christians, but Paul can actually be used by God to transform the lives of all those around him. And what about us as sons and daughters of God? I believe God can exactly do the same with us. He can really use us and empower us to change the lives of all those around us. And many of you have spoken with many of you, and you already have stories. You have stories in, in your lives that people that uh, have been saved, people that have been healed, relationships that have been restored. You have many, many testimonies of how God has used you to impact the lives of others around you at work as well and some of you might say oh you know i'm not the boss so i can't really have a lot of influence you know at work actually paul was a prisoner on the boat he was in chain and he actually because of his presence of the boat all the lives of the people who were traveling with him was saved daniel was in exile joseph was in jail so we as well can have influence. I tried to find an example, and uh, I chose one in the, in the workplace because for me it's uh, probably the hardest area where I can let God in, you know, because it's so easy to think you have enough skills and experience to do a good job without God. And I don't know about you, but it was <laughs> what I think. And uh, so this uh, uh, testimony comes to... Uh, during the GFC time, so I was at the time a general manager for Blue Scope Steel, and uh, I was, uh, they asked me to start a, a business for them. So, and six months after the product launch, the GFC hit us very strongly. So we had lots of projects canceled, postponed. My, my uh, uh, manager called me and said, Catherine, uh, uh, you need to get rid of 20% of the people working for you, and I want names today. Just give me the names. Oh, I was just so shocked. I said, ah, oh, they are just all working so hard to get there. I can't have names. And, uh, and I had the Holy Spirit really telling me, you need to keep them all. 
any, and then I was still, I said I didn't have an option, so just trying to find the names, and it lasted for a couple of hours, and at some point, I really had my spreadsheet with the numbers, and I told the Holy Spirit, these are the numbers, you know, I can't keep them all. And I just clearly felt like, you can actually ask them to really share the workload, and just all go part-time. And this didn't cross my mind because I knew it wasn't what the whole business was doing within Blue Scope. And uh, I said, oh, wow. So I asked them, and they all agreed to go part-time. So I told my boss, he was very angry. He said, this will never work. He didn't want to, <laughs> I had to push. And basically, we all did that. And six months after, we all were back full-time in our role. So this wasn't my idea at all. This clearly wasn't my idea. I was just trying to find the names, you know, find the logic and how I can find the name. But really God stepped in and God as well gave me the, the strength to really go against the flow in the company. And actually they wrote uh, an article around this story because others were inspired uh, around it. So it's really, so this is an example of uh, how get God can really impact lives because losing your jobs in a GFC time, it wasn't funny. And, uh, but basically, this is clearly just an example, but this represent, doesn't represent my day-to-day -day life. You know, I have some days clearly where I feel discouraged. I have some days when I know I'm impacting my environment, but not in a nice way, you know. I'm discouraging them as well by my discouragement. But this year, this year I really want to surrender more to God and just let his Holy Spirit flow in me. I really want to make this kind of testimony in my day-to-day -day life. So I don't know about you, but uh, uh, if you're willing as well, we can go through. There's some keys in Act 27 that I think can really help us if uh, we want to go through this journey. So the, the first key is in, uh, in the verse 23. So when uh, it's really about knowing who we belong to and who we serve. Last night, Paul said, last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. There's a lot of power of knowing who you actually belong to and who you serve. And I remember I had a few years ago, I had like a, during worship time, I really clearly heard like God telling me, uh, be bold and know that I am with you. And this word for, for many years kept me. You know, just each time I remember them, I just feel a different person. Just having the awareness, because all of us, you know, we know we are children of God. We know we have the Holy Spirit within us. But going somewhere and having this strong awareness of knowing we actually are not alone, we actually bring the presence of God, we're actually imparting the presence of God to others around us. And each time I've been in a, in a place, having this strong awareness, knowing that I'm actually not going alone, I'm bringing God, I've seen the difference. But this, uh, it's been just, it's just so powerful just to, to know that. So the, the second key is really to, to leave the plan that God has for you. And it was just fantastic, uh, Tracy, when you're talking the plan of God. And God has amazing plan for each one of us. And here Paul, Paul was going to Rome because he had to appeal to Caesar. And it's why he said, do not be afraid, Paul. 
you must stand trial before Caesar. So you actually, when you are doing your calling, when you're actually completely in the plan that God has for you, there's some protection there. Because that God is fully with you as well. He really wants to, to do what is planned, you know? You need to stand the trial, and you, you need to really go to Rome. Well, that's it. There's no question, you know? Even if there's things happening, you need to go there. So the same for us. So the second key is really to try to surrender our lives and uh, really do the will of God. And uh, really not our will, but the will of God. And, uh, and this is sometimes a day-to-day -day work because uh, it's, yeah, it's not always easy just to uh, surrender. You know, it's not just like one time. And I don't know about you, but uh, my default position, especially when it's uh, a bit stressful and uh, it's to take back the control, you know, and I feel like... Uh, I need to do more, you know, is my strength. It's science stressy, and so, uh, I need probably to help God here, you know, because <laughs> I'm not sure where this is going on. So it's really about letting God uh, uh, take the control in, in everything that, that we do. So this is really the, the second key. The, the, the third one is to stand in the midst of adversity. So here everybody on the boat has lost hope. They all think they are going to die. So Paul, you know, he was in the boat, he was a prisoner, he wasn't in charge, you know, it would have been so easy to lose hope as well. But as believers, you know, we, we bring a different story. We bring uh, God in the situation and, and God brings uh, the solution. So it's important when everybody is down that we keep courage. And we can keep courage when we are really in communion with God. You know, when we, when we really just spend time with it, God will encourage us. Yeah. And uh, I have my, a few years ago, I had a phone call from France. And because, as you know, all my, most all my sisters, brothers are still in France. And uh, my sister just, uh, I still have emotion when I think about that. She just announced me she had a cancer. And it was quite advanced. And I remember the time my legs were just like flipping. <laughs> and I was ready to collapse. And I said, I can't just hang it now. And, uh, and actually, the phone, technically, the phone just uh, switched off. And uh, so I was dialing again the number. And before I died, really, the Holy Spirit told me, don't worry. Everything will be all right. She will leave. So it was really a word of courage. And then uh, when I talked to my sister, I said, uh, ah, Françoise, I, I know you don't believe in God, but I know you, you know I believe in God. And this is what it just told me that you will leave, and uh, so we'll be with you and everything will be all right. And it's actually when, a few months after when she got healed, she actually wrote me a letter and she said, when you told me that, I believed it. And she believed that this has really been a turning point for her being saved, because now she's uh, walking with the Lord, but being healed as well. So a time where our human body you know is just collapsing and uh, we feel like there's nothing can do if we really stay close to God he would actually empower us to, and really give us help us to be the solution in, in the in the situation and the last key the fourth one is really to keep listening to God's uh, specific instruction so even if he has uh, told you you know you need to do that and uh, go and it's quite clear the plan that he has for you and, and uh, you know where to go, 
you still need to really wait upon only specific instruction. And here on the board, so in, uh, in verse uh, 30, in an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors left the boat, lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the boat. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it drift away. So actually, even if like God has told Paul, you know, uh, I've given you the lives of all those who are standing with you, he still had to listen and to follow some instructions. And the same way Jesus said, you know, Jesus was man, but he was God as well. Jesus said, I'm doing what my father is telling me to do. In everything, he's actually listening. And sometimes I feel convicted. I said, why am I not, you know? Jesus was, and he felt he had to, you know? And uh, so this is really the, in everything that we do, even if we think we have uh, completely the strength and the experience, and we still need to listen to all God's instruction because sometimes they actually don't follow our logic, you know? His ways are so much higher than our ways. So if you want to just close your eyes right now, go and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, that you have designed us to impact the lives of those around us, Lord God. Thank you that your spirit will raise Jesus from the dead, lives in us, Lord God. And I pray, Father God, I pray, Father God, today for a fresh touch of your spirit upon each one of us here, Lord God. A fresh touch. I pray, Father God, that we will have such an increased awareness of your presence in our lives, Lord God. Father God, Father God, just help us, Lord God, to draw strength from you, Lord God. And I pray, Father, that you would open our ears, Lord God, to hear your guidance, Lord God, to hear your words of encouragement, Father God. I pray, Father, that the same as Jesus, Lord God, was listening to your voice. And we know that your sheep can listen to your voice, Lord God. I pray, Father God, we have the ability to hear your voice, Lord God, and your prompting, Lord God. I pray, Father, that in times of despair, Lord God, and some of you may be in a difficult time right now, and I pray that right now you hear directly from the Holy Spirit a word from God, a word of encouragement. I pray that God will let you know who he wants to be for you in this situation, your healer, your comforter, your savior. Thank you, Lord. You are the God of hope, Lord God. And as we surrender our lives to you, Lord, all aspects of our lives to you, Lord God. We put all our trust in you, Lord. You fill us with your peace and your joy so that hope may overflow by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray right now, Lord God, for this peace and this joy right now, Lord God, to fill us, fill us afresh, Lord God, so that hope may overflow by the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we thank you, Lord. Amen.